0: Welcome and thank you for joining us on Disrupt TV. My name is Vala Afshar, I'm the Chief Digital Evangelist at Salesforce and your co-host for the next hour. We welcome you to follow us on Twitter at Disrupt TV Show. Send Ray, myself and our distinguished guests your questions live using hashtag Disrupt TV. Also please follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube and Vimeo. It's my pleasure to introduce my co-host. He's the founder and CEO of Constellation Research. He's the best-selling author of Disrupting Digital Business, regular contributor to Harvard Business Review, and ZDNet. I often see him on CNBC, Yahoo Finance, Fox Business. In my humble opinion, he's one of the top features to follow on Twitter, at wrag 0 Welcome, Ray Wong, to Disrupt TV.
1: Hey, thanks a lot. And I'm here with my awesome co-host, Bala Ashar. He's a best-selling author himself. He's also everywhere. Every CEO, CIO, and CMO is following him on Twitter. And of course, you can see him on broadcast. Thanks for the book. I got to find your book. And anyways, but it's not about us. It's having fun on Friday, talking to interesting folks, talking to leaders, talking to people, hearing their experiences, learning from each other. That's why we did Disrupt TV. Bala, who do we have as our first guest?
0: Ray, you know, we have a track record of inviting awesome CMOs to Disrupt TV, and this is no exception. Our first guest is Carrie Pale, and CMO of Splunk. Carrie served as Splunk's uh, Senior Vice President and Chief Market o- Officer since 2019. Prior to joining Splunk, Carrie served as the Chief Marketing Officer set at SendGrid, a digital communication platform company acquired by Twilio uh, in 2018. Uh, prior to that, Carrie served as vice, uh, as the first Chief Marketing Officer and Senior Vice President at Box, uh, a cloud content marketing company. We've had Aaron Levy on the show before. Carrie served as Vice President of Marketing for IBM Cloud Data Services and Analytics Software prior to that, and she also spent 15 years at Dell leading various marketing organizations. So, a brilliant, lifelong marketeer. Uh, you can follow Carrie on Twitter at C-A-R-R-I-E-P-S-A-N-D. S T A D. Welcome, Carrie, to Disrupt TV.
2: Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here with you both today. Happy Friday.
1: Hey, happy Friday, we're, we're excited to have you here. You know, you, you've had an awesome journey. I mean, a lot of people do sales, a lot of people do marketing, people don't go back and forth very well. You've done it at, you know, startups, you've done it at blue chip companies. Uh, and so I'm just gonna start by asking, what have you learned along the way? And, you know, and do you have a Michael Dell cell phone number, no, just kidding. <laughs> that was the number one request. That was the number
2: one request we had
1: two weeks ago. It's like, I, I gotta get laptops. Give Michael's number funny. So we, we got to get him back on the show. So, but. He's,
2: a, he's a really good man. And I've had the great fortune of working for some tremendous CEOs, including Michael uh, and Aaron Levy, and now uh, Doug. He, he's amazing, Doug Merritt. Um, look, I've learned a lot in 25 plus years and in, in mm-hmm. the career, in the business. I started actually in marketing for a year, then it was in sales for five years, and then back to marketing. And I, look, I love go to market. I love all aspects of it. I love the customer success part of it. It's um, I love having customer touch and being close to the customer base because that's what it's about. Um, but I will tell you that the thing that's probably the most poignant thing I've learned is that you can transition from big corporate to Silicon Valley high growth. I know most people say you can't, but it's absolutely doable. And the skills that folks learn in each place that you go are actually. Truly translatable and transferable in most cases. So it was a big jump going from Dell, IBM to uh, working for a 30-year-old founder CEO in Silicon Valley and moving from Texas to California, all in three weeks. But uh, it, it, the water's a little cold when I jumped in, but it's since warmed up, and I don't think I'll ever look back. So
0: you have uh, you have gone through massive brand transformations uh, at, at Splunk um, and. You know what's top of mind right now, um, especially now during this uh, incredibly difficult time. I wanted to early on in our interview just um, ask your advice in terms of what should marketeers think about when they're thinking about their brand and they're thinking about educating and inspiring and just helping helping their stakeholders, customers, partners during this pandemic. Is there Is there advice you can give before we get into the, you know, the nuts and bolts of being an amazing CMO? Uh, You know, what advice do you have for folks that are thinking about, you know, uh, staying relevant and and, and really uh, building loyalty and brand affinity during this time?
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's been top of mind for Splunk. But, uh, you know, we're a data company, so we're in the the midst of this because data has become so imperative to find answers to help with covid Um, But what I would say is use this as an opportunity to listen to your customers more and to find your humanity. I I think I'm seeing humanity among citizens every day. But the one example I would give you is as we were sitting on an exec call a couple weeks ago on a Friday evening um, talking about the state of COVID, our daily stand up. uh, One of our sales leaders texted me and said, hey, uh, one of our customers who's a big hospital in New York um, in the city uh, just texted me and said that they're standing up tents. And they have to have hundreds availability for hundreds of patients out in these tents by Monday. So 72 hours. Wow! And they don't have any iPads or uh, computers in their cache, And so they're in deep weeds. They have no way for them to track these patients. And they reached out and said, do we have any in our, just in our basic stockpile and can we send them? Turns out we didn't have any. And um, so we sat there as a team and said, what are we going to do? And through private donations from Splunkers in an hour, um, and finding some other avenues, we sent over 200 iPads uh, overnight to New York City to that customer We they didn't pay for them. We didn't ask, we would never want them to. This was something that they needed in their time of crisis and frankly, in order to serve their communities. And that's what being a partner is about. And it wasn't even about Splunk paying for it because we didn't, it was humans that did it. Um, But that to me is what matters. And they're a great customer to us on another end, but it doesn't matter about that. It's like, what are you doing to listen, to help, to serve? And we are constantly being uh, hit up by our customers right now on how can you help us correlate the data, whether it be supply chain for food, whether it be uh, medical institutions. So what I would tell you is even if your technology or your company isn't as relevant for this specific pandemic, your customers have needs, be a human, be human first, and listen, and and see what you can do to be helpful because those things matter, and they aren't forgotten. And it isn't it, it isn't the email on you can have free licenses. I mean that's that's great. But at some point, you have to true those up. And right now, this is about what what can you do to just be a human and help.
0: Carrie, that was outstanding advice. Outstanding advice. Thank you.
1: Thank you. No, it's a great point, right? And and I think a lot of people are really looking to figure out how to help, right? We, it's not like a normal uh, crisis where you can go out and volunteer and do stuff. So that people are looking for opportunities, anything they can do uh, to help out. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, as part of that, I mean, you're, you're seeing, you know, it's coming back to trust and brand authenticity, coming mm-hmm. back to what's important in a brand. And you've just gone through a massive brand transformation this last past September, right? Yes. And talk about how that process started, what was required to stand out in a good way, um, especially given today's environment. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to stand out, right? And there's so much noise, right? There's probably something like 10 to one, the number of vendors to the customers there are sure. out there, right? Mm-hmm. no matter what you're doing. And, and, and it was pretty interesting transformation. And, and talk about your special guest as well, so.
2: Yeah. So, look, I started in February of 2019 and uh, Doug Merritt, when we interviewed before that a few months prior, said, look, I want to I want to rebrand this company. And uh, our customers love us, but the rest of the world has no idea who we are and how is that even possible? Um, So we want to we want to go broader and, and take this notion that data can really solve most problems to the world. Um, And so we set out on this course of, we're more than an an IT ops data company, we're more than a, a data security company. We're a company that allows folks to correlate data from any source at the same time and come up with answers and sometimes the needle in the haystack answers. And so what does that actually mean? And what's the impact? And we're flooded with customer stories all the time that helped us actually form this idea of, and this notion of bring data to everything. And how do you do that? Uh, and so we we distilled it down to something that was manageable in a very small bite which is essentially data to everything and we had um, an outside consultant who really came up with that idea in the first place chris lockhead i want to give him a big shout out but it was the it was the building of what out of what that meant behind it and how, how it actually becomes personal that is where the story got real gravity and um you know there were some big choices like do we change our color palette and we did and We went from green and black and very coder centric and developer centric to really bright pink and orange. Um, And that took a while for some folks to digest on our executive staff as well as our board. I mean, not not everybody was on board right away. And it, it took probably six months of real work to convince them that why, but I think the moment that that moment was, I remember walking into a board meeting and asking my team to put a slide together for me that literally had like 50 tech brands that are all blue and then Splunk and and literally put (laughs) because they kept saying, I don't understand. Why would you do pink? And then all of a sudden we put that slide up and it was like the light bulbs went on. And even the whole company, even our engineers who were so resistant said, ah, I get it because we wanted stopping power. When you open a Forbes magazine and flip through it, I want a CEO to go, whoa, and, stop and actually look at what data to everything is. And those colors, they weren't my favorite colors, but those colors had stopping power. And that's why we decided to do it. And Doug was totally on board.
0: That's awesome. Uh, you know, you know, Chris's co-host, Heather, who wrote uh, Niche Down will be our final guest. And uh, so uh, Chris talks about, you know, how Niche Down, how to how to become legendary by being different. And yes. uh, I think moments like this uh, allow us to think about how we could Uh, you know, connect with our stakeholders in a unique, meaningful and different way. And now there's a forcing function. Let's talk about events, for example. Now, instead of marketing face to face and being able to have, uh, you know, and and I come from a company that, you know, has has a reputation of of big events, global events. But uh, as we look at the next few weeks, few months, maybe the rest of the calendar year, we now have to shift a hard pivot to virtually connecting with our stakeholders, employees, customers, partners, communities. Can you talk about and give advice to marketeers in terms of how they can shift to this virtual uh, method of connecting and selling and, and engaging and being helpful?
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Marketing has changed so much in the last 10 years, especially in B2B, but we've become so much more relevant to revenue. Uh, and, and marketing's had a bigger seat at the table as a consequence, and so we've been shifting as marketers to digital for quite some time in in the background because so much of the customer journey is actually done online already. Um, events are a wonderful way to actually get face to face and drive customer intimacy and human one to one contact, and that's important um, in this age where it's really hard to get salespeople on site or CS people on site marketing's role becomes that much more important and we all know those digital tactics right it's you know virtual events and we in fact last week one of our greatest levers that we pull at splunk are you know executive briefings on the road and we we conduct these really intimate events in city after city after city and our customers love that and that's where we touch our c-suite and because we can't do that anymore we did our first virtual EBCs on the road last week and i will tell you in some cases our customers said they were even more impactful than the ones we used to do face-to-face because oh, wow. in this time of covid they're so craving this this face-to-face interaction this intimacy you don't have to actually touch each other i mean i feel like i'm in the same room with you all right now right and yeah. if you keep if you keep it small i mean you can do the yeah. one to many mass events right and those are great but as far as having real human to human contact and intimacy with your customer continue to do things like EBCs on the road, face-to-face, but just do them via Zoom or via another conduit because those matter and everybody actually shows up to them because right now people are, the walls are closing in a little bit. They need the human interaction. And we're finding that uh, the, the take rate on actually showing up to the event is much higher than it normally is because people don't have as many things to do they're not on airplanes they're not on the road and they want to actually join these events so marketing is crucial at this time and showing up in a big way to support your sales brethren in the go-to-market cycle and to support your customers through the full customer life cycle of education engagement that's marketing's job and there's no better time right now than right now to show up and, and show up big
1: Awesome advice. Yeah, no. awesome. No, and, and we're definitely seeing that big shift, right? Because you now have people's attention. Uh, one of the other interesting things I did see, like someone was telling me, like they, they set up an EBC and then they had all the food delivered to the clients as well. Yes. Uh, they got yes. they got the addresses and do something fun like that. And it felt like everyone was getting together and actually breaking bread, um, you know, minus some of the uh, interesting uh, AV issues. While
2: you know, it's funny, I was, just going, I was just going through our POs with my, I financed two days ago. And they're like, wait, why do we still have a line item for uh, EBC gifts? And I was like, because we still have he- humans that we want to actually give Splunk swag to. And we're just sending it to their homes instead. And they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But, you know, it's, it, you know, it's, it's not that different in, in that we're still communicating as humans. We're still sending food. We're still doing all the things. We're just doing it in a different way.
1: You know, everybody wants your T-shirts. They're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you have any with you. I should have brought. I have some. I have some with me, but they're just, they're so just asking you live on the
0: show. No, no,
1: I don't need them. I got a lot of them. I got a lot of them. I'm just saying, like, you got to check them out. So they're pretty cool. So, so what's changed, right? I mean, you've been in tech marketing so long, and and on the sales side, like, what's changed? Let's say maybe in the last ten years versus that last five years. Uh, all this world, you know, before COVID, right? What's changed? What did you see? And then how is that going to impact? Right? Ten years ago, we were in a crisis. We came out of a financial crisis, right? Yep. Five years ago, things are all peachy. Um, so what do you see? What, do you, what are some of the big shifts?
2: Are, are you saying specifically from co- this COVID phase that we're going through? The- no,
1: no, no, no. Just from before, from yeah, from what you see. Yeah. Like, there's a progression that's happening in terms of yeah. how enterprise marketing has evolved. It's definitely totally. not B2C marketing. So
2: No. And so what's interesting, though, is the, the gap between B2C marketing and B2C and B2B is actually narrowing right? We are all ultimately yep. engaging humans. And so it's not B2B, it's really business to human. Um, and it, whether that be a consumer or a professional, it doesn't really matter. The fact is people want to have a personalized journey. They want you to understand them and to engage with them when they're ready to engage. And the thing that I think that's changed the most is that we now have the power to do that through technology, right? And so we do informed marketing versus you know, spray and pray um, tactics like emailing the whole customer database, yeah. right? And now we know through t- you know companies that I like, like Sixth Sense, how to go find when somebody's in market and then to engage them when they're in market versus when they're not in market and don't bother them when they're not. But actually, show up and be helpful when they are. So uh, to me, technology is the game changer, and it's everywhere, including AI bots for engaging pre-sales and all the right. things, right. and it makes the customer journey more fluid. Um, and easier and more personal. And that to me is absolutely our job.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, seems like more and more the currency for, in a post-digital economy, you know, speed, personalization, yeah. intelligent engagement. You mentioned chatbots, you mentioned machine learning algorithms, you can get lead scoring now and there's so many uh, opportunities to not be susceptible to, to, to lead decay and be able to identify those moments of truth. You mentioned journeys, uh, you know, we've been talking about journeys for years, but we really, in my opinion, as a former CMO, we didn't have the technology and that single source of truth that we could share with sales service marketing to really properly execute against a journey prior to purchase, during purchase, and certainly post. So yeah. if you can take us a few years ahead, will it be, what's, what, would, what do you think will have the biggest impact in marketing? Will it be AI? Uh, will it be like natural language processing and uh, the virtual, you know, voice assistance? Uh, will it be just us being able to execute to a journey in business and really co-create value at the speed of need? Uh, yeah. in order to which which technology excites you mo- most? If you could just take us ahead for a few
2: years. Yeah. You know, look, I, there are a lot that do, I will say that the personal, the, the, it's not really AI, but it's um, ML right now. Like it's morning to be clear, if we're, if we're truly uh, splitting hairs, but the ability to augment uh, the, the human work with ML is really amazing because the, re- the reality is, again, the customers want to have a level of touch and intimacy across their customer journey, but they don't always want to have the salesperson standing in front of them at their office to do that. And so how do we, you know, if we knew that for instance, our customer was confused on another product that we have and they're out doing research, how do we then in an elegant way, give them exactly what they're looking for without them having to ask, right? And we can do that through technology and machine learning and, how do we have that AI bot that uses machine learning to reach out to say, hey, I noticed that you were researching X. Yeah. Um, is there something that you're looking for? Could I be helpful to you? I'm part of the sales team that already serves you. Um, but do that it, it, you know, in a chat box that pops up on the web versus a, a person who's calling them when they're having dinner with their family. Right, and, right. I think it's that we can do some of these things already, but it's going to become so much more seamless and orchestrated and elegant as the technologies advance. And that's exciting to me because today, yes, we do personalized journeys. Are they perfect? No. Do we get it wrong a lot of the time? Sure. But can we make it in a way so that it's customer driven and we focus on their cues and then are allowed to kind of help them along the way? That, That to me is sexy and cool.
0: Absolutely. See, this is a smart CMO who's telling us, teaching us, you're not seeking attention, you're seeking opportunities to add value. And that is a mindset of only brilliant CMOs. So I just want to let you know you crushed it (laughs) in the last 20 minutes my goodness i learned so much that
1: was awesome now coming from a place uh, of empathy i think it really makes it's, it's awesome hey carrie thanks for being on the show we're with carrie palin cmo at splunk um you can follow her on our twitter at c-a-r-r-i-e-p-s-a-n-d-s-t-a-d and of course catch all this stuff around data to everything thanks a lot for being on the show happy friday love
2: it, guys. thanks so much take
0: care thanks so much. thank you very much oh, terrific just just uh, uh Brilliant, brilliant words of wisdom. Uh, We can unpack that segment, and there's a lot of incredible takeaways. Uh, Speaking of uh, incredible incredible guests, uh, our next guest, uh, I would argue worked for the real Iron Man for five years. Uh, But we'll get to that later. (laughs) Uh, Jay Vajayan is the founder of CEO of Techion in uh, a a hyper growth technology company an award-winning hyper growth technology company disrupting the status quo in automotive retail software industry what better time than now for techion uh it's automotive retail cloud platform is powered by big data artificial intelligence machine learning and internet of things now that may sound like a lot of buzzwords, but let me tell you about jay's background (laughs) prior to techion uh Jay arguably worked for the smartest man on earth. Uh, Jay was the chief information officer at Tesla. Imagine uh, pitching your IT vision to to, to Eli. <laughs> uh, for four years where he and his team built, in fact, his team scaled Tesla's digital and information platform, fueling the high, company's hyper growth phase. So if there's anyone that understands hyper growth, is, is Jay. Before joining Tesla, he led business application development for VMware during its significant accelerated growth phase. And prior to that, he led product development at Oracle for seven years. So his entire professional life is how do I build hyper growth companies and capabilities? You can follow Jay on Twitter at jay 8 V-I-J-A-Y-A-N. Welcome, uh, uh, Iron Man's right-hand man for five years, <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, uh,
3: really a pleasure being with you and Ray. Really phenomenal again. I think it's been, what, four years since uh, since we met last time? I guess the three years or four years, has it Sorry. <laughs> been? Sorry.
1: It's been a while in person, it's right? A while. It's going to be a little more uh, given now, even though we live pretty close to each other. Yeah. So. But yeah, no, it's, <laughs> right. it's been crazy. So but uh, yeah, you know, you've been through an incredible journey, you took your lessons that you learned, and then you jumped into automotive retail, really transforming one of the areas that has been a dinosaur for years, like honestly, every dealer, every franchisee, every person I've ever talked to is like, this stuff is awful. And and you pop up. So talk a little bit about that journey. And why automotive retail, right? What was the opportunity you saw and, and where you could make a difference?
3: Yeah, thank you, Ray. Again, pleasure being here. Um, well, Asha, again, thank you for a fantastic introduction. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, you know, Ray, uh, you know the markets well, both the enterprise as well as the consumer side, right? And automotive is the largest consumer market in the world, right now. It's Uh, Technically, it's number two, uh, but it is really number one, because the number one is housing market, which is not transferable. Of course, you can't move houses um, between cities and countries. Cars, right? Yes, it is uh, transportable. It moves across different parts of the world, different parts of the city. In terms of um, dollar amounts, if you see in number one consumer market in the world. Yep. So Tesla is disrupting that in one way, um, really having a great product and then the changing the experience. So for me, what, when, I, when I came out of Tesla, what I saw was, you know, if Tesla is changing this direction, but there is a, there is a 99% of the industry still in pretty much, um, I would say a decade or a couple of decades behind in consumer experience. So the way they deliver the consumer experience, like all of us know, right? When you go buy a car, when you go service your car, you don't come out ecstatic like you're buying an iPhone or you're um, getting a product delivered by Amazon. The experience is not great. It's very subjective. It's not that um, no one delivers it. There are are good dealerships. There are great um, manufacturers who really strive. But organically, what happened is the industry, um, I think, had Normal amount of fragmentation through the process. If you go to a dealership, they run literally like 40, 50, 60, sometimes they really serve their customers. What happens is it just becomes a drag on their business. And you see um, very, very obviously as a customer, when you go to a dealership to buy something or to service your car, um, you see that the experience is not that great. And that's what I felt, you know what, I need to go change this. And there's an opportunity because there is this big three key stakeholders, um, uh, OEM and manufacturer brands, dealerships, and end consumer. All three can get a win-win-win situation. All of all of these three can get benefits, the best benefits that are out there from through our technology platform. And that's exactly what um, I really after i came out of tesla uh, started taking on and we, we started building and delivering to the market
0: that's terrific jay uh, you know can, you know again oracle tesla uh you know uh, building hyper growth capabilities can you, we have cios that watch our show uh, and can you give some advice to chief information or or chief technology or frankly chief digital anybody who has Uh, You know, one foot on the technology side and one foot on the business side. We certainly know that the most successful CIOs know there are no IT projects. There are business projects. Uh, You you build an investment thesis based on stakeholder success and business outcomes. So what what are some of the lessons you learned in order to create, again, hyper growth capabilities? And what should be a mindset of a CIO or frankly, a CEO of a company to really position themselves to grow?
3: Yeah, and a great, great question um, over, over a period of time. I think Tesla was a phenomenal opportunity, I should say, for me. A huge amount of learning, um, one being in the position um, again. Now, I think I have seen over the years. I mean, this was uh, nine years ago, a um, little bit over nine years ago, since I joined Tesla the first time. Um, the role of CIOs I've seen evolved significantly. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, as you know, there are cases where there are good CIO roles which um, have good visibility across business managing pretty much the core applications that enable the business. But there are typical CIO roles, as you know, just managing data centers and servers and others. I think that has to change and it has significantly changed. One thing I felt the right CIO who has an idea about not purely about technology, if you focus only about technology. Of course, CIOs are technologists. But the focus should be: How do you bring value to business? What's the big differentiators using the technology that you and your team are building and managing? How can you differentiate your business, your company's business, with all of your competitors out there? I think that is where the conversation should be. If CIOs keep going and asking for purely technology and budget, they're going to keep pushed back. Right? That's a very typical situation where CIOs go to CFOs or CEOs are going to talk about, but the conversation is always need to be, what does that technology bring to the business? What's the differentiator that you're bringing? How are you going to win using the technology that the IT team is building? So I think that's where I felt, you know, I had a, it was a, it was a phenomenal honor of that, where at Tesla I had a role that is truly centralized. Every single thing to do with technology. Including the product uh, that is connecting um, to all the core systems, the connectivity for that. Again, I, I was not in charge of uh, the making software, but I was in charge of um, the security and connectivity. So, having that visibility to everything a customer touch point. So, when you go to tesla.com to design your uh, your car and order it, that was all uh, under under my team to develop mm-hmm. and solution. So. Having that visibility to do end to end, and the empowerment, um, and um, talking about how do we bring value to the business, and how do we bring that seamless vertical integration with a close feedback to our customers, was a big eye opener for me. How much value it could bring? How much differentiated it was for the business? And that's exactly I felt, You know how typical CIOs should shift their conversations they are not already there they should shift their conversation towards that direction that that would be my um, learning mm-hmm. i think it's uh, advice worth anything that would be my advice
0: Stage
1: advice. Sage oh man, advice. I think about you every day, dude. I think about you every day when I do it. Oh, I mean, I I know I know how it works. I know it's in the background. So so let's talk about Techieon. What is it, right? I mean, you were like in stealth mode, like, hey, Jay, what are you up to? I can't tell you, Jay, what are you up to? I can't tell you. And, and so you've been out for a little bit now. Let's let's yeah. tell the world what this is about. So
3: yeah, thank you. I think thanks for asking. It's it's super exciting. I think our team. I mean, I have a. I was fortunate, again, to have a phenomenal team that pulled off something massive. Again, this industry, um, the way we call our platform as Automotive Retail Club, right? And so the goal is, I know typically in dealerships, they call it as DMS. Um, again, over a period of time, fortunately, DMS has become a truly back-office software. are really running the dealership operations. The way we have built a platform is a complete transformation. Yes, it does all of those. It, it, is a, it is an ERP, you can call it as, you can call it as a DMS. It does run pretty much all of the core operations, but the most efficient way, but really bringing that ecosystem together, much more removing all the friction, removing all the fragmentation, how do you bring the OEM Manufacturer, the dealer being in the center, a retailer or a dealer being the center, and then the consumers all together in one platform, providing the highest level of efficiency, providing the best experience you could provide. To be honest, I'll give you a simplest example of what we are doing and we are able to do it quickly. Is we have in our roadmap of delivering touchless or zero contact or contactless, however you describe a sales experience, right? Touchless, um, zero contact service experience. We were able to pull that literally in four weeks time frame. We were able to deliver our first contactless or zero contact service experience to our platform. So what that means is wow. as a consumer for you, you could just from your mobile phone, you could book a service appointment. You don't even have to go to a dealership, someone pick up your car and the moment they pick up you get the message. You don't even have to talk to any person. You can do everything from your mobile phone. You can track your service process as the car is being taken to the dealership, and throughout the service process, you can literally look at from your phone how is the service happening, and then you can really get recommendations from the dealership like, okay, you know what, your brake pad is gone. Here's a picture of your brake pad. Here's a new picture of your brake pad. Here's a video. You could look at it. You could have conversations from your mobile phone. You don't have to download any app. You can still do it securely. And then you complete your service. You can do an Apple Pay to finish your payment and the car will be dropped back to you. So that's, I'm just giving a simple, one simple use case day to day what we go through. But
1: but but Jay, that's not a simple use case. That is <laughs> no, the no, entire no, no. friction in the service experience. Like I got a call. I got to find out if it's ready. They got to call me back. They got to show me what's there. They got to get my approval. Like you've eliminated that friction. So how many more service appointments can a typical dealership handle now?
3: Exactly. So you know what, that is huge. Exactly. you remove the whole friction. So you could do all of these in a very simple way. If you need a courtesy car, the person who is driving, um, uh, going to take your car can bring your courtesy car, drop it to you and take your car, right? Or if they can bring a flatbed. So all of these options are available. It removes the complete friction. And especially in this situation, like the COVID situation where people are worried, Either mm-hmm. way you still need to transport. You, can, you need to go pick up your groceries. You need to do whatever you need to do, right? Because having a reliable transport is critical for us, it's peace of mind. So to get your car service, you don't have to go wait in the line in the dealership. You don't have to sit in the lobby, talk to multiple people. So all of these is completely can be removed, right? Yeah. Even yeah. dropping off, we've done a zero contact without contacting any human. You can still go to the dealership, drop your car off and then take a Lyft or Uber back to uh, your home or your office and then still track your car from your phone and then go back and pick it up. So we've thought through that process. Again, all of these, like I said, is possible because it's a true next generation cloud native platform where you could deliver solutions very, very quickly. Unlike you know, the antiquated older platforms where it takes a long time, months to change a field, two months to deliver a report. right? Leave it alone. You, model.
1: You, the only thing I'm missing is the free hot chocolate and coffee. I guess.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> loyalty program.
0: Loyalty program. <laughs> so, so Jay, I mean, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I think about certain industries and how they will fight to recovery. Um, you know, after we get through this difficult time, you know, whether it's the entertainment industry, I'm streaming movies to my living room that are in the theater now, yeah. so. Uh, you know, or, or, or the travel industry. But the automotive industry is going to be there, and it's going to be there, and it's going to thrive. I, mean, I actually think people are so – been in a quarantine state for so long, <laughs> I can't wait to go places <laughs> right. and drive. But I can't imagine that every every automotive retailer wouldn't want this low-friction, zero-touch capability. So you may
3: be the most busy CEO uh, of all of us. Yeah, no, it's, it's-, it's- Absolutely, you know it's great. You know, there are, there are, one is you know um, the whole world is going through this situation, right? As yeah. you, know, we all, we all, our families, our friends, everyone is going through this situation. It's been it's been very tough, and unfortunately, one of the worst impacted industries, automotive industry, as you could see, imagine, um, factories are shut down, dealerships are laying off people to many occasions because it's a very capital intensive business. They can't run for too long, and I think we we have come up with a very timely. Solution for the platform, but now how fast we can go roll it out, right? Without sending people, I mean, you know, Ray, you know this well, and Valor, well, you know this well. Uh, ERP or DMS migration, it's literally rip and replace the code. It's not easy. But what we are doing very revolutionary for the first time is we are doing a 99% remote migration of DMS. This month, we are rolling out three dealerships in spite of COVID with our team. Literally, there's only one person who went just to set up the first only all of the IoT connectivities. Done. Everything, data migration, training, everything is happening online. And next month we are planning to roll out like seven like that in different parts of the country. So we are excited about this. It's it's going to be hard. It's a learning process for us. It's a learning process for the industry as well. But I know we're going to come out of this very, very strong.
0: That's true.
3: That's true. And, wow. and, uh, and, and this ultimately, this... I know you added earlier, right? About ML, AI, big data, IOT. I want to talk about this very, very briefly, right? You know, what it's a buzzword every company wants to use. But at the end of the day, what value all of these things bring? Let's start about IOT. IOT is connected car. So we have we are working with some of the OEMs to directly do the connected car. That means the connection to their connected car platform, so that you can connect to the car. So that we can provide the best experience to consumers. Second, we have our own patented IoT uh, OBE2 devices for older cars that doesn't have connectivity where you could do direct connectivity. And also the third thing we are doing is every display within a dealership is literally centrally connected to our cloud. So basically everything from weather in that uh, TV to you can still run uh, the regular programs, but we run machine learning to present the right thing. You know, Kerry talked about As a CMO how do you you present the right thing because Amazon has been doing this for 15-20 years but automotive industry unfortunately this is what I feel I'm part of automotive industry it's a shame that you have a captive customer many times we're all customers going to buy a car browse a car service a car but they never had the tools and technologies to present the right thing in front of them and always have been putting more and more um, friction in between so my thought process is how do you remove the friction you still present the right thing in front of your customers.
0: And that's exactly what we are doing using machine learning and IoT. That's terrific. Uh, My my, uh, my company partner with Harman uh, Kardon, which is a property of Samsung, and at Consumer Electronics Show this year, we revealed CRM, customer relationship management, in the smart dashboard. So by voice-enabled technology, you can see your sales pipeline, your marketing leads, your service cases, And through augmented reality, that information is projected on the window with dashboards and and, and insights that can be relevant in a safe fashion. So the car is going to be your second uh, uh, screen after this. Uh, uh, And so having the Internet, uh, having cloud connectivity, edge computing, IoT sensor technology and then machine learning applications running in the background, You're able to, and especially when we get to level, you know, level three, four, five autonomy, where you're no longer just operating the car, your relationship with the car is now a traveler, an explorer, a business person, you can safely do other things. So it's amazing what you're doing. It's really amazing what you're doing.
1: No, this is awesome. Hey, you're doing some great stuff there. Um, it's gonna be interesting. I mean, this is probably the best time to implement this, like especially the IOT piece, no one's at work. It's a great opportunity to get stuff in play and really to transform customer experience and take DMS out of the stone ages. We're here with Jay Vijayan, founder and CEO of Techion, former CIO at Tesla and legendary CIO. And, and of course, you. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at J-A-Y-V-I-J-A-Y-A-N, follow what he's up to so happy Friday! Thanks a lot. Don't be a stranger, and uh, maybe we'll Thank see you in October at our good conference.
3: Good. Maybe
0: Thank you, we'll see you in October at our
1: conference again.
0: Thanks, sir. Thank you. Can you imagine pitching your IT vision again to Elon? <laughs> that's that's gonna be that's gonna be that's one uh, wartime tested CIO, I bet you. And now a wartime tested CEO who's actually doing something that I think is going to be very important moving forward. Speaking of very important moving forward. And uh, obviously, you saw, you saw an uh, incredible CMO give credit to uh, co-author of Niche Down, our, our final guest, and again, first ballot Hall of Fame inductee to Disrupt TV, Heather Clancy is an award-winning journalist specializing in transforming techno- transformative technology and innovation. As the editor, uh, editorial director of greenbiz.com, Heather covers the role of technology in enabling clean energy, sustainable business strategy, and low carbon economy. Heather's work has been featured across all major media, Fortune, New York Times, International Health Tribune, and many more, Entrepreneur, and many more. Uh, She's the co-author of Niche Down, How to Become Legendary by Being Different. I'm telling you this is more relevant right now (laughs) and moving forward than ever before. If you can't find your unique value to society and business, uh, I mean, that's your path to greatness. Uh, and, and this is an, an Amazon category bestselling book. You can follow Heather on Twitter at g r e e n t e c h l a d y, Green Tech Lady. Welcome back, Heather, to Disruptive. TV. Thank
4: you. I'm surprised you don't know that by heart. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I should. Honestly. I bet, you, I bet you I could do at least 50% of that by heart. For yeah, sure. <laughs> it's great
4: to see you, and I'm glad to hear that you're both doing well.
1: Thank you, Same. hey, no, look, we're you're in the middle, you're in the epicenter. We know that. Yeah. Um, and part of this is this new stay at home life cycle. We're sheltered at home. We're isolated. We're locked down. And yeah. you've got this very interesting story about this and cloud energy consumption, <laughs> bringing it all together in one place. I thought it was awesome. So can I sure, Elizabeth, what you're thinking about and 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 what what you know what's really going on on this practical magic?
4: Right. So, well, one thing I wanted to say it's interesting because I am always working at home, and uh the thing that I actually bizarrely enough feel more connected to my remote colleagues now than I have previously, and I think that wow. one thing that is i don't want to say it's good, but one one positive thing that's coming out of it is I think people are building better and closer connections so um and I think we all realize that we're in this together. So I'm, I'll get off the soapbox. But but anyway. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so my little brain, uh, I, I look at, uh, first of all, I've been watching our site very closely and to try to figure out, you know, how, as a journalist, it's really tough to figure out what to write about that's not COVID-19 related. Because you want to be, you don't want to be tone deaf. But, I mean, um, I write about a, a long-term crisis, the climate crisis, and, we cannot afford to lose time on that, even though we're simultaneously having to execute on getting getting through this this short-term crisis. So this particular story you just referenced is, uh, you know, I was just thinking, sitting here thinking, okay, everyone's on Zoom, everyone's on Netflix, everyone's on, you know, people are buying um, and take out delivery. I mean, there's just a whole mess of traffic uh, on the internet um, Like my neighbor across the street is trying to teach and homeschool her kids simultaneously and you, you referenced it as we were coming on everyone in your house so the point being that I was I just got to wondering okay what's this this impact on the cloud how is energy being impacted and um, the, the the cool uh, meme and, and the cool data that just came out in about a month ago is that if you look at a decade ago right even though the cloud tra- the, the traffic is so much higher um, hmm. today than it was at that time, uh, we're still at about the same energy consumption. And that is just, um, which is, I was just like, yay, you know, I didn't know what I would find out when I started looking into this. But but basically, even though we've seen just uh, an enormous increase uh, uh, in 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 traffic, right. uh, we have not seen the same in, in, uh, in electricity usage. So that is the sort of crux of this particular piece. Um, and lots of credit due to the, the folks that have been preparing for this, essentially the uh, data center providers um, that have been really working on efficiency. That's
0: amazing. Any, any, any startups or new companies or do you have a sense of the
4: future? Oh, fascinating. And I'm so yeah. glad you asked. I, I spaced out and I really should have brought, you know, so one of the coolest companies I've talked to this year and probably in a, a long time is, a, wow. is, an or, is an organization called Lancium. And um, this is not particular to the COVID-19 crisis, but what this is, what this company is doing um, is creating data centers and a data center architecture that's um, plausible, right? So um, if you think about the types of, of, re- of applications I was just referencing, they're all, they require constant um, interaction with the server. But there's mm-hmm. things that, that, that you can want to be performing over time. so like a big algorithm right the assimilation that that there's a lot of number crunching going on but it's not necessarily that time sensitive so right. this company lanceum said you know what there's lots of different kinds of data center loads and ops um you know at the same time that's one problem over here there's another problem we have uh we you know we we, we have this great wind energy story in the united states in places um like texas where actually Mm. there's too much wind. So like at certain times they have to curtail the the generation. And this company is sort of marrying those two problems. So this company, Lancium, is basically its proposition to site data centers near a wind farm they could basically take that excess. So when 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 the farm is going to, you know, if it sells to the grid, it's going to be losing money essentially. Instead, it could sell to this data center and um, empower those data centers with that excess wind energy. So that's cool. you know, that's again, cool. not not a COVID nineteen story, but just right. a really great uh, piece of innovation coming out of this company. That's
0: right. And they're a Houston-based startup. Is that is that
4: a... They're Houston. Um, yeah, for sure. That's... And I'm going to keep watching them. They're they're they're, they're Launch phase has been a little bit interrupted, right? Sure,
0: sure, <laughs> well,
4: sure. But, you know, they're they're out talking to people about this concept now.
0: You wrote in one of your uh, posts. Uh, Go ahead. Sorry, I was going
1: to say, one of the interesting things, you know, that that's happening, right, is also the impact of us staying at home, you can actually see the impact of what's happening mm-hmm. with emissions mm-hmm. and climate that's going on there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's, that was a very interesting way of actually, we now have a baseline of what it looks like, you know, if if, if you have less climate emissions. It, so it, you're talking yeah. about some of these things that was happening and what we can learn about climate tech as well. There,
4: there's some data out actually, probably while you were on this, I just was peeking a, a few minutes ago, um, some some stuff came out uh, out of UK, a, a organization called Carbon Brief. They're anticipating that global emissions may be off four percent, four percent this year, um, in the biggest sort of annual decrease since wow. the Second World War. Wow! Now think about that. Unbelievable. Um, now that's so yeah. I mean everyone, you know everyone's like, oh, you know it's this is great. I mean it's not going to last, and it's P.S. Yeah. It's not enough. To right. even get to it's it, you know ever, everyone's taking um, solace in this and and I love it um, you know you see all these people posting oh my god I can see New York City I mean the pollution yeah, yeah. everyone's like the it, Himalayas in the yeah India, the Himalayas the clear you know, and, clear waters
0: in the canals of you know Italy or yeah
1: that reminds me of this funny story in L.A. I remember sitting in the office in L A like on one of the skyscrapers looking out the window and. I was trying to explain to people like hey do you know there are mountains over there and people are like what, what mountain is there's no mountains and i remember seeing orange county looking out and they're like like where's la like you couldn't even see the city i mean, oh it was like, yeah. I mean that was in the 80s right 90s you're like you barely could see anything mm-hmm. so i mean it's massive changes but co2 is down like 25 percent in china apparently mm-hmm.
4: so, mm-hmm. so yeah and again i mean it's not um necessarily uh, a, a sustainable, if you will, um, right. over the long term. But it does make people stop and think. And, and, it, and there's a, an absolutely uh, direct link between those who have been compromised by pollution and the people that are, that are worst hit by this virus. Sure. There is sure. a direct relationship. And sure. it's got, I, I think, you know, that has really got uh, more people just sort of sitting back and going, whoa, you know, this climate change thing is real. And right. it's have and p s, it's it's affecting my my family. It's affecting these people I know. Um, and I think that again, a, a positive is that it is making people sit back and think a little bit more, um, interact with their their neighbors in a different way, but um, you know, in a more meaningful way, potentially. Absolutely.
0: Uh, one of the things you wrote, which I thought was pure gold for Twitter, Uh, which which I need to tweet right after the show. You wrote, wrote one of my biggest takeaways from reading about these and other inspiring innovation Mm. initiatives is this. When humans confront an existential challenge, one that knows no borders, the instinct among most of us is to put aside our petty partisan considerations to seek ways to defeat that common enemy. And this was a sentence you wrote in a, in, a, in an article titled, what mobilizing innovation for COVID-19 can teach us about climate tech. Can you talk to us a little bit about that post? And then this was such a beautifully written uh, you know, thought and sentiment, so. Oh,
4: well, thank yeah. you so much. I appreciate that. Um, I have another one coming. Um, <laughs> but this particular story is, uh, is uh, the thing that struck me is, and I, I think this is just one P.S. There's like a million of. And, oh my goodness, the the stories of people rising to the the occasion. You you, you know, the, we heard one earlier today in Splunk. And, um, Splunk, this, Splunk. That story was. Awesome. I, I didn't know yeah. about that. I mean, I was like, whoa. I mean, I got like chills. Um, yeah, me, this, too. me too. There was in Italy. I mean, this is right at the beginning. This is really before it it started really striking home here in the United States. But it was a three D printing startup called. Isanova um that that um was basically they and they make they don't make uh respirator valves but they figure out a way to take a design that they saw and like reconfigure a snorkel mask in, and and create these valves and 3D print start you know printing these things to help uh, uh the hospitals near them in in Italy and so i was just reading about this and then you heard about again not not the only one but bloom, bloom energy very quickly started doing uh, ventilators and, and and so on and so forth and I'm so so happy to say that the list is very long now but you know it just got me to thinking like th- people were doing this in like three or four days
0: yeah right yeah. and we
4: always hear oh this climate tech stuff it's gonna take so long <laughs> and uh we can't support it and I just thought you know what that that's just well, I'm not going to say what it is, but it's, yeah. it's just it's just, this just proves that that again we can do this, and it's, right. so it, the thing that I, and again another takeaway for me was we can do this when we get people focused on this climate crisis, we can do it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It, it. For, for the first time, it. for the first time in our lifetime, the entire world is focused on solving one problem.
4: Yes, and so you true. can
0: see, you can see when you have that sense of urgency and the collective wisdom of, of the entire planet, you can move mountains in days, weeks. You don't have to wait for your children to worry about or your grandchildren to worry about uh, results. So the article was terrific. And a reminder, as you said, when you're faced with, uh, you know, uh, the unknown uh, and you have focus, you, you can accomplish great things. Yeah. So
4: terrific yeah. reminder. Thank you. Appreciate that.
1: No, this is great. And hey, look, do you think do you see any kind of lasting impacts though from shelter in place? Is it going to change our behavior? Is it going to change some of the things that that we do with the environment, or are we just going to jump back to our old ways? Like, yeah, you know, I, we've I, seen crises like these happen before. What, what, what's your best guess?
4: <laughs> so, I think, uh, I think. I'll, I'll t- talk about the, the things that I think that will be positive, and then I'm going to say some things that I think are not going to be. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that um, I do think will happen is I do, do believe that many companies will finally get that remote work works. Yeah. And that I think that some of the really frivolous travel um, that really doesn't need to happen, I think that will stop. Um, and I think that people will, will take a much closer look at their their budgets and, and where they're really spending their money and having people travel. Um, so I think that's a, that's a positive. I, I do think that, however, um, you know, one of the reasons that the airline emissions are off so much is that people are, are not going to places where they can meet and congregate and share ideas in person and face-to-face. And we both run conferences and we both know that, Um, there is just no place. It's just, there's something that cannot be, you just can't do that. I mean, this is wonderful that I can see you and, but, but, but people do need to make a human connection. Um, and there's just things that you can do at an event, um, that it's serendipity. You just can't, yeah. it's serendipity yeah i mean, I mean don't I, you like
1: it you just bump into someone you haven't seen in a while sure. I, mean, I
4: think maybe they'll be smaller that, that you want
1: to see that you yeah, want exactly. to exactly
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's one. those are those are you know that's something I, I do worry and this just harkens back to the last segment which um i do think you're going to see unfortunately people shy away from public transit and um, like in the city, so I worry about public transit sitting s- systems in 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 urban environments. Um, partly because um, you know people are going to be afraid. Yeah. So th- some of these, the progress that we've made on personal vehicle usage going down, um, I I'm, I worry about that a little bit. I also worry about the the tax. You know the fact that th- there's going to be a huge economic hit to cities and the tax base, and um, you know how do you pay for? The, um, the upgrades that you need in the public transit system. So there's there's that. Um, you know, I I think that people are starting to look at their industrial emissions a lot more closely. I also think that um, if you think about the buildings that have been shut down over this time, bringing them back online, they'll probably be better optimized. I think that people will spend more time optimizing the operations of the the HVAC systems and um, and so forth. And I think that you might see more investments in smart building. Um, I mean, initiatives in order to do that from afar, right? So that you could be doing this more remotely. Um, I think a lot of people were very, you know, you know they, they didn't have a whole lot of time. I mean, I, I don't know if about you, but here in New Jersey, I know my my hairdresser got like basically four hours notice before he had to shut down. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, seriously, I mean, he just like, wow. okay, you got to go home. And it was like, what? I mean, okay. So, I mean, he, he should have been guessing that it was going to happen, but still, um, sure. you know, I mean, and those, and that you know, there will be a lot of buildings that need to be completely retuned after this, after this is over. Right. So anyway, that's just know, a couple I, things.
0: my last question, uh, niche down, how to become legendary by being different. Is there a lesson or two you can share with our audience and, in terms of what they can do now that may be different and, and, and so that they can be more relevant when we get back to the new norm.
1: Hmm.
4: Well, I, I think that, that, like I said, uh, there's a great amount of climate innovation that's out there that, that uh, I, I think this is the time. And I've been actually talking to the venture capital community a little bit over the last two weeks. And there is some, uh, you know, while we might see a slowdown in in it, how long it takes to, to fund some of these companies and the valuations definitely have come to earth. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, I think there's a, a, a appetite for uh, different different types of approaches to, uh, industrial, um, automation and, and manufacturing. And, um, but yeah, there's some really good niches out there. And, uh, I think that, that for, for sure, this, this crisis will, will give a lot of people things to think about. Terrific.
0: Terrific. Thank you.
1: This is great. Hey, no, thank you so much for your insights. Uh, once again, uh, one of our top, top commentators on what's going on, experts, guru in the area. And of course, you can follow Heather Clancy, editorial director, Green Biz Group at Green Tech Lady. So thanks a lot for being on the show.
4: Thanks, guys. Thank Be safe. Great, Take care. Great
0: seeing you. Great seeing you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, you know, for us, Ray, we're fortunate. This is normal for us. Every Friday for four and a half years, and 400 guests. We've done this, and uh, I'm I'm so grateful that we continue to do this because it's really the only normal day for me. <laughs> where you know it feels like you know it did in January. Uh, and so, uh, speaking of uh, Friday shows, uh, we have episode 186 uh, next week, and we have Tamara McLeary, CEO of Affiliam, as our first guest. We have Matthew, Confer, VP, strategic and business development at Ability. And, of course, one of our other favorite, all-time favorite guests, Larry Dignan, Editor-in-Chief at ZDNet. All of our recordings are available on our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, video replays on Vimeo and YouTube. Ray, uh, final remarks on Episode 185 of The Shrub TV.
1: You know, as a a little producer notes from Aubrey, who you've all seen, Um, it's um, four years and a month. Think about that. (laughs) That's been crazy. Four years and a month. month. But but, hey, I I hope everybody stays safe. I I, I think... You know, I think we're peaking in some places. I think New York is on week five of a week eight, eight week journey. I think California is on week four of that journey. If you're in New Orleans, it's like week two or three of that eight week journey. So I think we'll get out of this. Hopefully it's going to be different. We learn from some things. We improve some things. Um, I think keep up the hope. There's a lot going on out there. Um, I think you're going to see arguments about, you know, it's really important to protect both the you know, economic lives and our health lives as well. And so these things are popping up. We're having a debate, a vigorous debate. Uh, I hope we can all take the partisanship out of it, the politics out of it, come together. And wherever you see anything interesting for people who are doing something for good, let us know. We definitely want to feature Please. it here. Uh, we definitely want to talk about it in our blogs and our materials. I know you do as well, Val. It's, it's just. You know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of good too. I missed all this chaos. So I'm betting on humanity. So
3: Yeah,
0: absolutely. And the th- our three guests show us that this incredible amount of wisdom that we could all benefit from. And this is the reason why Friday is our favorite time of the week for Ray and I and Aubrey and Team Disrupt, because uh, we get to learn from the best and brightest and Carrie J. Heather. I mean, you can't get better than uh, these folks. And and the stories they shared, like Splunk, you know, helping folks connect and 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 Jay reinventing you know and um, removing friction in the in the business and Heather is just uh, just a fountain of inspiration and knowledge so thank you for teaching us and we'll see you next Friday. yeah
1: thanks everyone.